You're listening to Project Good Boss, the podcast with your host, Anna Shepherd. Good boss, well, you got to be a good boss. Let me hear you sing a good boss. Now come on, work hard, work hard, work hard. Oh, you got to be a good boss. Project Good Boss is a podcast dedicated to understanding the business benefits of kindness in leadership. We cover topics including, and not limited to, leadership equality, psychology, social impact, decent work and economic growth. All delivered with a little splash of good vibes. Now you got to be a good boss. So we're really, really lucky um, to have Raghav Morali Ganesh here today, who is this inspirational leader that has set up some a company that not only does it help solve a real challenging social issue in the world, he is pioneering the way with regards to kindness in leadership, ethical leadership, and the co- team cohesion with the business development. So I'm super excited to have you here because you, you really do lead by example in every way. And I know this because my partner works for you. So we've been very lucky to get a bit of insider knowledge around what goes on uh, you know, behind the scenes. So welcome to Project Good Bosch. Thanks for having me, Anna. We're excited to be here. So I'm going to kick off with a question um, just so we can start to get to know you a little bit. What was the last random thing that really made you smile? Um, I love this question, actually, when I looked at it. Um, so my, I have an 18-month-old daughter, or 20-month-old daughter, I should count properly, um, and she makes me smile Every every day, she also makes me cry sometimes. Every day because she can be very mischievous. Uh, but over the weekend, we baked a cake for Mother's Day, um, and um, I don't bake cakes, so I have to set everything up before we before we baked. Um, and I had the wet ingredients on one side, mindful that I keep the wet ingredients away from the dry ingredients because that's um, important. The dry ingredients reminded my twenty month old of sand at play school, so. Within a split second, I looked across here, looked there. She had her hands in the mixing bowl. That's fine because we'd cleaned our hands, but she was about to get her whole body into it because she thought that's the sand pit. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. So it made me, well, first it made me sort of yelp and say, ah, get her out of there. But it also made me smile because she was so confused why I was taking her out of the sand pit. She was like, sand, sand. I was like, no, it's not sand, sweetheart. It's not sand. But that made me smile. I wish I had a video to capture some of the crazy stuff she does because they'd just be so funny. I'd watch it over and over again. Uh, but that made me smile over the weekend. And I think the joys of, of being part, you know, part of a beautiful family and, and what I've heard of you is, you, you know, you're really passionate about your family and about that work-life balance and about creating a bit of a family with regards to your business as well and that, that family vibe that you've got going on. So Cancer Aid, you're the founder co-founder of Cancer Aid, you went on a journey. Didn't you go on the shark's tank or something like that? And you had this concept because originally you're an oncologist, right? Correct. Um, so look, my background is as a radiation oncologist. I actually still practice so sort of a day a week. Um, I took a break for some years, so three years, but um, the last sort of eight months I've gone back to clinical practice and that's been really good. I think if you think of why cancer had started as a way to better communicate with patients, it all came about from sort of anecdotal experience. Like we'd sit in the clinic room, patients would come in and you'd do everything in a manual way. You know, take a piece of paper, scribble on this piece of paper, 
the most important conversation this person is going to have, cross off what's irrelevant, and make these sort of kind of intangible, sometimes ineligible notes. And you'd you'd hand this over to a patient at the end of the consultation. We use technology in every other aspect of our life, ordering food, ordering cars, whatever we do. Why can't we use technology to have an important conversation, sort of the mandate we set out with? And more recently, I've said, okay, being disconnected from the clinic is not just um, sort of damaging me from my identity as a doctor, and that's what I grew up with for you know, years and years of my life, but also in terms of trying to grow cancer at a business and being back of that coal face. Um, I've actually found it quite, quite, um, quite rewarding to be back in the clinic one day a week. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm doing, and uh, uh, that's sort of the story. What does Cancer Aid do, Raghav? What does Cancer Aid do? Yeah. What's the function of Cancer Aid? So the original um, and the promise we still keep is to improve that communication between clinicians, so doctors, nurses, allied health, and patients, Um, but wanted to do that with technology as a backbone. So we provide to patients a digitally enabled service. There's a little jargon there. In essence, what we do is we support patients with the right information at the right time through a coaching program. Uh, and we layer that coaching program on top of some technology, which is the award-winning Cancer Aid app. Um, oftentimes, uh, and it's not because patients don't know what to do. There's a lot of information out there. It's just not given to them at the right time in the right context. So what we do is we do bite-sized information of evidence-based concepts that can bring better clinical outcomes for patients. Just sending them an email or putting them in a brochure is not good enough for patients. What we do is we take that further step. We coach them to say, This is something that's really important for you to do to empower yourself. We don't provide medical advice and we don't try and disintermediate them from their clinical care teams. We support them so that they can have better conversations in those clinic rooms. Um, And that's what we do um, in a sort of using technology as a background. So so a cancer patient's diagnosed, for example, and they're trying to navigate through the minefield of Service, of services providers, clinical, the information they need, their own well-being. So, yeah. so these rooms and this support, virtual support as well, creates an opportunity for that patient to have a place to go to just talk. Is that right? And to yeah. get that signposting, like almost like a bit of a concierge service, yeah. something like that. Is that how it works? I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Anna. So when someone is provided with a cancer diagnosis, it hits you, you know, like a bit like a ton of bricks. Uh, patients have a consultation. Often they don't take in what the doctor has said or the nurse has said in that consultation. They'll go online. There's tons of information online, some good, some a bit sort of unpredictable in terms of the quality of information. What we do is we take certain concepts, sort of exercise, diet, nutrition, sleep, symptom tracking, for example. These are all sort of evidence-based concepts that if patients engage in these activities, they can improve their outcomes from that cancer diagnosis. So whilst we can't rewind time and take away the cancer diagnosis, looking forward, there are things that you can do that give you the best chance of beating this disease. Um, and we put them to two-minute sort of videos and conversations and, and share these with a the patient in bite-sized fashion. And we use human coaches who have a lot of empathy to drive their understanding of those concepts. Mm. Um, and, 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 and thus we measure our success by how well patients engage in our program. Um, and then we see what, what clinical outcomes we have at the end of that program. That's mm. sort of the, the, the nutshell of what we're trying to do. 
So, so I think what's quite interesting here, Raghav, is, is, you know, you've obviously come from this clinical background yourself and there's a lot of structure and there's a lot of red tape. And it sounds to me like you've put the humanity through doing this and creating Cancer Aid back into that interaction for the people that need it the most. Um, and, you know, it, I've, I've worked for a number of charities where cancer is, is especially children's charities, where cancer diagnosis is, is part and parcel. And that shock and the um, almost um, people feel completely like isolated and um, powerless yeah. in those times. Um, so having that space that they can communicate how they're really feeling. You know, a lot of the time I know that patients struggle with how to they deal with it as a, as a patient when their family are all falling apart around yeah. them trying to support them. So what, what are the benefits of having the technology component that you've created um, and how does that work in practice, Raghav? Yeah, so technology is, is really important. It offers, in my mind, two things that I think, um, to, so, so one of the mandates for us is to take this to as many people as possible. Technology offers consistency and scalability. What it does not do is give you empathy. There's a lot of new sophisticated technology out there, sort of IoT devices, machine learning, artificial intelligence, there have been no good examples that we see in sort of our scan of the market, which we do all the time, that empathy can be replaced um, by that human touch. So we've got a blended model where we think technology is great for that scalability and consistency, but we layer a human touch, again, using reasonable amount of technology on our back end to, to, to provide this in a very scalable manner um, to drive engagement. And it's the addition of those two, which really sort of the one plus one equals three in terms of moving the needle on, on, on patient engagement. Pure technology doesn't achieve that. There's lots of stats, lots of evidence to show that engagement just dips uh, when it's just tech. And that makes sense. You know, if, if a machine is telling you to do something, you have far less attraction to doing it than if you know why you're doing it because someone has explained to you and personalized this for you through a conversation, someone who's particularly nice and empathic. So, Raghav, it's come to our attention that as a leader, you invest a lot of your time, one-to-one as well, in the well-being of your team. Why do you do that? And what are the business benefits for you doing this? Uh, first, it's very kind, and thank you for that. It's actually really nice to be to hear that I'm doing that because um, often you do things um, um, that, you know, lots of things that, that go not only un- unrecognized, but also that you don't know doing right or wrong. Um, this is sort of in, in many ways my first rodeo as sort of running a business. Uh, I've had businesses in the past, but there have been single-person single, single person businesses, but none with a team and none with, a, none with um, as many moving parts as Cancer Red has. Um, I'm very proud to, to do that, and I think um, it's something that I've had to say I've learnt. When I first started, it's not one that um, – something that I knew and that came to me readily um, – there's a lot of information out there in terms of how to grow businesses. I've great mentors. I have some great colleagues um, who really understand the value of this. And, and my colleagues um, often will share with me that doing this has been beneficial. And then you start doing something, you invest some time into a process, you get an immediate feedback, of some benefit, and then you continue to, to, to invest in those, those actions. And I think as you grow, certainly in any field, um, you're shaped by those experiences that you you um, you participate in, um, but overarchingly, it's a pretty obvious concept. If the team are healthy mentally and physically, 
the company will do well. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the emphasis. Um, some people know that, some people don't know that, but uh, it's one that certainly we as a, as a management team uh, believe in, um, supporting each other as colleagues, supporting each other as friends almost. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty lucky that I have, when I'm facing difficulties, I lean on my colleagues. Um, uh, the chief operating officer of Cancer Ed, for example, his name is Tim Atkins, uh, is a good friend of mine and we spend time outside this and I share with him what I'm struggling mentally, my challenges, and and he'll pick me up because some days I'll be down and, and for example, there'll be some days where he'll be down and, and I'll pick him up. So it's actually quite nice. And then we say, let's just do this with the rest of the team. And um, it's been good. We, we haven't been doing this all the time in Cancer Ed. I think we've been doing this for the last year, year and a half. Um, and uh, it's def- definitely improved. So as a leader yourself, working in a space where there's a lot of empathy required, um, you know, obviously what you do is of service to the community in its very nature. How do you, how do you, what tools and support do you have to re- remain conscious and self-aware in your leadership capacity, especially when you're faced with adversities like the COVID virus that's going on at the moment, the different challenges that you need to face both from a you know, a financial perspective to keep a business like yours afloat and to be of service. What, what, what's your hacks? Like people are tuning in for the hacks today. Like yeah. as a leader, it needs to give so much with regards to empathy. And what, what do you do? What are your tools? How do you support yourself through that? Yeah, lots of, lots of tools. I mean, the obvious one that you hear about are advisors, advisory groups, people to lean on. And I think I think having a peer advisory group is really important. We talk about governance in businesses and um, having a board and management team and that very strict hierarchy of governance. I think that's really important to drive the best decision-making. I would actually tighten those um, feedback loops to smaller, smaller, um, smaller amounts. Having a peer advisory group is really important. Someone who's not in your board, someone who is a little bit more of a... Um, a friend than a potential advisor, but someone who you respect their advice from and constantly doing sanity checks on what you do is really powerful. I use WhatsApp. I'll text a few of our investors. I'll text a few friends. I'll text a few investors, uh, sorry, uh, other CEOs who I know who are doing this and say, look, I have this problem um, and just have a conversation around them. The key to doing that is actually not going to people when you need them, because then they have to not they, often, people will be there for you. If, if, if they like you and they like what you're doing, people will be there for you, but they, they don't understand your business well enough. So I think it's important that you take them along this journey um, all the time. So often I'll create a little update and share it with them, not to ask for advice, but sort of give something there so that if I do have some questions or issues, I can actually go to these people and say, Hey, we've moved to this issue now, but they already have all this background. So it's actually a mm-hmm. continual conversation rather than, I think with the, with a board or very formal governance, you have very formal processes to, and they're very you know structured conversations around what you should be doing as a business. But some of these day to day activities may not come across. Um, that's been really powerful for me. The second thing was a piece of advice I got told when I was very junior uh, in in Cancer Aid was uh, essentially I have two jobs. Um, one is make sure there's money in the bank and talent in the door. Um, and I constantly think of that as my two big jobs. Um, and obviously, uh, this is one part of that. If you start to lose staff and people are unhappy, um, that's a big issue for businesses, especially small businesses where uh, attracting and maintaining the right talent is so important to grow. So I think a good barometer of success is if people, people 
like what you're doing and, and continue to work with you. And that's really, really music to our ears, especially with the peer-to-peer support, because that's literally what we do at Bambuda Group is uh, okay. we, we, we develop groups of peer-to-peer leaders that work together to support each other through the ups, the downs. Um, and let's talk about pressure, because there's a lot of pressure involved with setting <laughs> a business up. I know that, you know that. And if you've come from a place where you're operating from heart, which, you know, is about the giving back, is about you know, the fact that you worked in oncology for a number of years. How, how have you gone from that transition of remembering you need money in the bank to focus on the actual business side of things? How, have, how do you individually deal with the pressures and challenges associated to that while maintaining yourself as a conscious and empathetic leader? Yeah. Look, I mean, we talked about that give first sort of theory. I think there's a real big merit to giving first um, and showing vulnerability. Um, Oftentimes you hear, and certainly in our experience that I've seen good leaders and bad leaders in in clinical practice, those that I think are better, the strongest suit is not their intelligence. It's not their technical ability, but it's actually their ability to communicate um, oftentimes it's, it's really powerful and a source of inspiration is your own team. I work with super talented people that can change the world if, you, if their minds are put towards it. Mm. Um, but often the challenge is they don't know what pressures I might face or the business may face or even sometimes I don't know what pressures they may face. And, and the way to bridge that gap is, is having better communication. Um, there's, there's a fine line between showing vulnerability and um, being lost and hopeless. I think there's a fine line and as a leader, you need to find that balance. I think that's difficult mm-hmm. to do. That comes with a little bit of experience. Um, but it's, it is really powerful to share with your team, these are the challenges um, and having that transparency in, in, in your mistakes, transpar- having that transparency in your strategic errors. Um, I think it lends to better decision-making and overall people are more part of the journey than sort of being told where to go. Mm. Um, there are lots of memes on there online and there are lots of, podcasts and things about what's great leadership and and a lot of them are are fantastic but oftentimes you know um, I think it's in my experiences sharing my problem with someone and let's get through this together is far more powerful than saying I have a problem here is a solution fix it um, which doesn't always work. We've been very very lucky to have you with us today and um, I think what I've just found so amazing about you is is just how humble you are as a leader one of the first things I said to Raghav when he came on early on was, you know, how do you lead? How do you how do you lead your team? The people that work for you. And he was like, no, 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 the people that work with me. And and, and that is very much the mindset that I have as a leader as well, is, is everybody's choice is to be there. Everybody's contributing to how this machine works. We're all working together, we're working with each other. Um but still the need for leadership that's authentic and, and builds that trust is so very important. And I think that, you know, people might not tell you, you might not know, but you really are head and shoulders with, with, with the way that you operate, Raghav. And I think what's interesting about that is it comes quite intrinsically from you. Um, so we're really sure to have you today. We're going to come on to a bit of a quick fire round. We're going to put sure. you on the spot if you're up for that. So, so basically, I'm going to give you five questions. Okay. I just want you to say whatever comes into your head. So the question number one in the working kind hot seat, okay. as a leader, 
what is the one thing you could change in the world if you could? Well, God, uh, big question. Um, certainly, look, in Cancer Aid, we, we think profit and purpose can go hand in hand. Uh, that's something that uh, I, I, I truly believe in. Uh, a lot of people in the world don't believe that, um, you know, that profit should be diametrically opposed to purpose. Um, I, I think you can have both in the same way. Maybe I'm naive and stupid, but we'll see. Or maybe you'll be around for the next 20 years. Uh, what do you wish you would learn when you started out? Oh uh, yeah, this is a fair. This is an easy one. Um, I had very little sort of commercialization experience. Uh, a lot of my job is selling. Um, uh, certainly, the clinical stuff is obvious. Uh, I think partly because of my background, um, but commercializing digital health is tough. So, what did I? What would I know um, before I started? I've, I've spent a lot of time pounding pavements. Um, so, I think understanding why and how commercial drivers incentivize incentivizations work would be would be great um, and um, I learn every day but uh, I'm a lot better now than I was four years ago okay so what has been your proudest moment as a business owner um, so cancer has had two sort of lives or avatars the first half we were a purely technology company the second half we had this technology enabled service um, in between those transitions, when you transition a small business from one business model to another, uh, that's a very tricky time. Mm. Uh, you've got to bring people along that journey with you. Um, and we nearly died as a business. There's uh, a lot of people know that, and it's not fairly, fairly, fairly well published, uh, publicized. Um, uh, transitioning that, you know, when 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 a when a, sh- a plane is heading towards the ground, but to move that around that U shape. Uh, we're not quite out of the the valley yet, but we're we're de- certainly on a on a, on a trajectory that lends itself towards sort of um, growth and and potentially exponential growth. But uh, I'm pretty proud of that transition. Um, it'll be nice to see us sort of smooth sailing. But I, I know there'll be some of the re- questions and challenges as we go along. What's been your biggest failure, Agav? Oh, I do. I make mistakes every day. Um, I saw this question. I found it quite tough to answer uh, and not because I don't want to answer it. Um, uh, I don't, there's lots that I'll, I'll continue to make. And, and, and it's not about the mistakes. I think um, and no one probably cares about the mistakes individually that I or anyone has made. But I think there's one thing that I, I continually tell people in my team and myself that we will continue to make lots of mistakes. There is no doubt about that. We are breaking ice as a business. We're a new, we have some experience, you know, we work hard, we're not stupid, but um, we will continue to make mistakes, especially the unknown unknowns. What I think is criminal is making the same mistake twice. Mm. Um, and if we can continue to not make the same mistake twice, um, doing autopsies, retrospectives of the good stuff we've done, and the bad stuff we've done continually, that's really powerful. And probably at least that we have no regrets. Um, and, and if we make the same mistake twice, that's, that's an issue. We need to think about why we've done that. Um, so I continue to tell our team that if we make mistakes, no issues, just let's not make it twice. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. So what are you curious about at the moment, Raghav? What can we expect to see from you in the future? Ooh, uh, the future. Um, we want to bring cancer rate out to as many people as possible. We know that the people whose lives we are privileged to touch, uh, we have an impact on. Uh, patients give us, on average, an, a score of 97 out of 100 in terms of our empathy and support. Uh, scaling that out to more than the hundreds and thousands of patients we see, to hundreds of thousands and millions of people, 
is the goal. We have some great opportunities and some great commercial pathways to do that in. Um, I'd love to see us around in a few years' time making that impact at scale. If you could, if you could give one message to the people out there listening today around, you know, your top tip around leadership, what would that be? Uh, this is going to sound so obvious, but it, there's, it's more than that. Listen to those people who you're working with. Um, they will tell you what to do and what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Um, you just have to listen to it in between. There's, you know, read between the lines sometimes, but um, it's actually a lot of it is internal. You don't need to go anywhere else for that advice. The people who you're working with will tell you how they want to be led. And if you listen to that voice, you probably do a good job in doing it. I think I'm, I'm starting to understand a little bit of that. Make lots of mistakes even there. I suspect if people on my team are, are listening to this, they'll be like, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, but um, I try my oh, best I've to do heard. that. I've heard you're doing a very good job and you've been a brilliant leader. You're leading with empathy, kindness, and really a perfect candidate for Project Good Boss. Um, how can people get in touch with you? If you're a patient, a cancer patient listening, if you're a, a delivery service or a partner, who, who do you want to hear from and how can they get in touch with you, Raghav? Um, look at that message. Uh, we have lots of stakeholders, patients, insurers, pharmaceuticals, employers, um, uh, very happy to, to hear. And if we can provide a service to you in any way, shape or form, we'd love to. The best way is through um, contact at cancer.com. Or if you want to email me directly, I'm always happy to, to receive emails as ragav at cancer.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for making the world a better Pleasure. place. Thank you for working kind. And um, you, I'd love to tune in again with you in the future and see how you're going. We'd love to. Lovely to meet you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Project Good Boss. Bambuda Group is a social enterprise providing leadership coaching for corporate leaders, business owners and operators. We believe in a future where every leader is committed to creating a sustainable world of equality and opportunity for everyone. If you are a game-changing leader and you have an amazing story of how your business is making the world a kinder and a better place, we would love to hear from you. Visit bambudagroup.com or slide up into our DMs. And finally, you should know, for every paid member we have in our network, we provide scholarships to reduce inequalities in leadership and business. Thank you to Sonic Union for editing this episode, Lou Roberts for writing and performing Project Good Boss and design by Flair Creative. Thank you for being kind today. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again next time. Yeah!